everybody, we got a great episode for you today. Patty and I finally are going to have Valor Paytech as the interviewee. We've got Eric, uh, the company operating officer, chief operating officer, I should say, from Valor Paytech. Um, and you know, Patty, one question I keep getting from people in the industry that they keep asking about is, what is Valor Paytech? Is it a processor? It is not. Right. It is a processor agnostic technology solution. So think of it like Verifone or Pax or one of these other companies right. that, you know, just has the technology. You buy their credit card terminals, you buy their gateways, you buy their mobile swipers, and you can use it with whatever processor you work with. Not a processing company. It is processor agnostic. Yeah, and, and Eric gets into some really other interesting things. I mean, I think we, we take a deep dive into, into the overall uh, product. And uh, every time I talk to them, I learn something new. I just yeah. find it really, really cool. Awesome. And then we followed it up with the Insider's Report where you're talking about holiday spending, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's looking, it looked really bright this year, a lot brighter than we expected. Right. And uh, now we can only hope that uh, these uh, $600 payments are starting to ring up sales, the, you know, the uh, government does stimulus yes. money. Yes, absolutely. And then uh, we finished it up with questions in the field where I try to cover interchange padding in about 10 minutes, you know, a controversial topic. Um, but we dive into that and some of the uh, moral imperatives as well as the pragmatic implications of statement analysis, automation and things like that as it pertains to interchange padding. So uh, I'm excited, Patty. Let's dive in and get started. Yeah, this is great. Let's go. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. All right, everybody, Patty and I are here today with Eric Bernstein. He is the Chief Operating Officer of Valor Paytech. How are you doing today? Well, thanks for having me here, James. Very excited to talk Valor with your audience and getting this opportunity. Really appreciate it. Yeah, well, and of course, Patty and I are excited. We've been, uh, you know, pushing Valor here on the podcast as our official sponsors for quite a while. And uh, right. we really wanted to have more of an in-depth conversation so our audience can learn a little bit more about Valor. Um, I know Patty and I have been pretty pumped about it, so we're excited to dive in. Um, so we're going to be talking today about the standalone terminal, right? And so everybody listening right now has a provider of a standalone terminal, Verifone, Pax, Ingenico, whatever it is. Right. Um, and so today we're going to kind of talk about the future of it um, as it relates to cash discounting and traditional processing. But, you know, before we dive into all that, uh, you know, Eric, let's, let's definitely talk about your background because I want to know your story. I always love to hear that. How did you get into this industry? How in the world did you end up with Valor Paytech? question. So, I mean, I started my career in corporate America. I worked for Morgan Stanley for some time. And after a little while, I transitioned into the private sector, having a management and ownership stake in a mortgage company and a marketing company. Throughout that entire time, everyone who's in the credit card business attracts you with that term residuals. And you keep on understanding, how can I build a residual book? How can I grow a future? Right. And that brought me in. In 2012, I started an ISO shop. I focused on outbound calling based on my experience and well as recruiting ISOs. Um, about 2016, when the cash discount wave started, we jumped on that wave and started selling cash discount. Sure. And in about 2019, I was given an opportunity where someone wanted to purchase my book. And at that time, it was, who do I speak to to see if I'm making the right decision? So I reached out to some of people I looked up to in the industry that were really making decisions. And they gave me good advice on my book sale but then also introduced me to this product Valor. And they started hitting pain points that I was facing as an ISO every single day, whether it be with the cash discounting program or other options I just wasn't getting on the tech market. So in the midst of them explaining to me how to sell my residual book, they also got me to sign up and become involved with Valor. And I honestly haven't looked back. It's, it's such a great concept, such a great company. And we're just excited to grow and be a part of this industry. 
Love it. So that's, that's an excellent uh, segue into Valor too, because you had all those pain points and, sure. and, and you knew exactly what the product was doing, which makes you obviously uh, you know, a better salesman, but also a better developer, right? In terms of conceptually. Absolutely. You have to walk in the shoes of your customer and understand the pain they're truly feeling to get the right solution out there. And I think right. we have a good job of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, so I, I kind of want to start by framing this conversation a little bit today um, because of course, this isn't all about Valor. I really do want to talk about some of these interesting challenges in the future of the standalone terminal, because there's a lot of talk in our industry, a lot of talk on this podcast about kind of the standard, you know, standalone terminal just going away. Like, you know, somehow it's going right. to magically disappear. Everybody's going to have a touchscreen point of sale system and mm -hmm. anybody that's actually, you know, engaged in selling merchant services knows that's not true. So, you know, there are these two groups of merchants we'll, we'll put them into today. We'll just put them into two buckets. We have those who they do want the full feature point of sale system where they already have one. And I know Valor does a lot on that side as far as integrations and all that. I get it. But today, I really do want to focus on these other merchants that truthfully, even three, four or five years from now, they're probably still that auto repair shop is probably still going to have a regular old credit card machine. And so, you know, which one is it going to be? What's it going to look like? What's it going to be able to do is maybe up for grabs, but they're still going to have that standalone terminal. They don't want all the technology. They don't really even need all the technology for a lot of these uh, smaller businesses. So I guess my first question for you, Eric, is when we look at that segment, the smaller mom and pop shops that have been very resistant and probably will continue to be resistant to all this new, amazing technology. And it's like, no, I just want to process a payment. You know, I just want to do this. I want to make it easy. What do you view as their pain points and what is, you know, as you kind of think through that, how do you look at that market segment right now? So, I mean, the first thing I'd say, I think you're, the question frames one of the problems is that in this market right now, a merchant has to choose, am I a standard terminal merchant or am I a POS merchant? Yeah. Do I have no features with a standalone terminal or do I get a robust suite of features with a POS system? So we're constantly making decisions being made when there's standard terminal merchants that could really benefit from some services. So definitely Valor has taken that into consideration and we're helping to provide these types of services to that standard merchant. So, you know, things like engage my customer, reaching out to customers and interacting with your customer base is something we feel any merchant would benefit off of. And you don't necessarily need to invest in a POS system or uh, invest in that type of money to have that benefit. So we see that as one of the issues in the industry right now. Um, in addition, you know, to be competitive, businesses have to adapt. You know, the market right now is driving people towards that integrated shopping experience. So more and more brick and mortar merchants, you're seeing them open up online shopping carts, working with mobile payment systems. And it's kind of a nightmare to manage, honestly, in, in this current environment. You're dealing with multiple vendors, multiple portal logins, multiple customer service lines. And so you're, you're, you're bringing a simple solution and making it very confusing and difficult. That's really where our omni-channel solution plays its role by bringing all that under one roof and solving that, that confusing problem for a lot of merchants on the market. Um, and in addition, you know, ISOs have to adapt to the programs being sold in the market. So, you know, as the cash discount program boomed, tech needs to adapt with it and provide those robust solutions to feed the merchants and ISOs needs. You know, I feel, and it's, it's aggressive to say, but I think tech honestly dropped the ball when it came to the cash discount program. Um, they need to understand the needs. Um, it seemed like they created workarounds. They were standing on the sidelines watching this program. Is it gonna take? And then now it's not going anywhere. I mean, it's, it's one of the most popular programs and we need a solution that takes into account all the pain points that merchants are facing in the cash discounting program 
and give them an option to really utilize a full solution. And Valor definitely came through on that one. And we're seeing such great feedback on the cash discounting program and, and the terminals that we're creating, all those solutions we're providing. Um, in general, merchants want to control their businesses remotely. They want to have access to their transactions. They want to do refunds, batches, voids from wherever they are. And you know, there's a difficult one to understand. Uh, merchants want their terminals to work. They don't want downtime. They don't want their terminals crashing. And you know, our software is built to last. And we feel that unfortunately it's remarkable how frequently an ISO is dealing with a terminal problem, seeing things crash and having to work through that customer service retention situation when it wasn't their fault that anything happened in the first place. So I think, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement on the market and Valor once again, walked in the shoes of ISOs and understands what it takes to, to solve the pain points in our industry today. So I think before we dive into that next question, um, you know, I know Patty had a follow-up on that about Omnichannel, but I, I wanted to dive into this a little bit. And so what we're talking about is with these smaller merchants, I heard a couple of things that you mentioned there that I think are pain points that we need to understand for the small merchant. Okay. So the first one that we talked about is these small merchants are having to make a choice right now, kind of, and I hadn't even thought of it in that frame. It's a very interesting way to put it. You know, do I want a full feature point of sale system or do I want a, a, a terminal on the counter that does nothing? It just runs a transaction. That's it. Um, and to your point, a lot of these smaller merchants are probably wanting something more in the middle. They're wanting to have the gateway. They're wanting to be able to maybe have a mobile swiper. They're wanting to be able to, you know, go remotely and access it. Maybe they're wanting to, you know, do text marketing or email marketing like you can do with engage my customer, you know, reporting, you know, they're wanting more, right. But not, they don't want the full feature point of sale. They don't want all the complication. They want it to be simple. Um, the other interesting thing I heard that you said there that I think it is worth repeating is a lot of these smaller merchants, they just, they do want their terminal to just work. And unfortunately, you know, they don't. I mean, I, like like in our, our Facebook group for CC Sales Pro, where I have like all the, you know, thousand agents in there. You wouldn't believe there's hardly a day goes by we don't get somebody in there that says, hey, has anybody heard why this particular terminal is not working or whatever? And I think it goes to the way they've been developed where they're very heavy on the hardware side. It's like all of the software is like in the hardware rather than in the cloud. And so they're like depending so much on that piece of hardware and they may even have a different software vendor. And so it's, it, it's gotten a little bit, you know, convoluted. Have you seen that as well, Eric, in the marketplace? I mean, you know, in, in my experience as an ISO, and, you know, I still have communication with tons of ISOs in this business right now. And it's funny, you go to them and say, what do you need? What, what, what can Valor do for you? And they're like, how about you keep my terminal working? And I'm like, I mean, well, done. You know, and like you mentioned, right. <laughs> our software is stored in the cloud. So the terminal is not, is not working as hard to actually process these transactions. Mm -hmm. So when you're storing everything local, these are not full built out computers. So when you overwhelm that terminal, right. you're seeing horrible crashing scenarios. And you know, it just tumbles out of there because when you go to terminals crashing, then you start thinking attrition, customer service, and you start right. to do all the pain. And it's just simply, I want my terminal to work. Right, yeah. That that that's so true, and 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 even you know as a consumer, I can't tell you how many you know how many times I have I come you know I see merchants with those problems and think why haven't we solved this yet? But Eric, if you don't mind, I wanted I did want to dive into the omni channel which you mentioned. I mean you you covered a lot of stuff there, but uh, I I think James's drill down was good. I wanted to get you to drill down a little bit more on omni channel, you know. I've been hearing, we've all been hearing about this for years, you know, you know, how, you know, you got to be able to 
do a you know a physical terminal, virtual terminal, you know everything all together. And of course, you can't necessarily always get that from one place. So I was wondering if you would talk to, you know, speak to that. You know why it's important uh, for SMBs in today's market. This whole concept of omnichannel. Patty, thank you. That is that's a great question. I definitely want you to elaborate on this concept because we're big believers in the omni-channel experience. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you look at big business like Netflix or Amazon, they all pride themselves on providing that omni-channel experience. Right. When Netflix started, they were a DVD rental program competing mm -hmm. with Blockbuster, but Blockbuster was still in business. When they went digital and went omni-channel, giving the ease of the customer to log in on their tablet or their console or their phone and access these movies, it right. literally catapulted them into the market. And the funny one is Amazon, because Amazon controls, as we know, the internet market space. Sure. It actually went face to face and said, we're going to buy Whole Foods and take over that channel of that in-person transaction and then incorporate it into our online grocery market. And that, once again, is growing their, their control over the market. Sure, sure. And what happens is these big businesses create these solutions and the small business owner doesn't feel they have access to it. And in today's market, it's difficult. Valor built out this omni-channel solution so merchants can now create that integrated customer experience at ease using that one portal, one feature, you know, one login to get a virtual terminal, an online gateway, control their hardware, mobile apps, e-invoicing. You want all these features, but sometimes if you want that feature as a merchant, the headache that you have to deal with to get it almost prohibits you. So making it simple is what everyone wants. And I think that's what our omni-channel solution has done. You know, it's one login, one easy to use portal, um, and it's the same portal login for all the features rather than managing seven relationships and data points. Another big feature, just I can go on for days, is, uh, <laughs> I could, the, uh, is how, you know, when you do a transaction online in the current market, it's one vendor, and you right. do a transaction at a point right. of sale from another vendor, Right. You need this data to communicate and link to the customer so the merchants can get that feedback and understand how their spending habits are. And that's what that one omni-channel portal does. It links all these channels and brings it all to one location. And, you know, there's that common term in the market right now. I love it. It's sticky. We need a sticky solution. I go to these conferences. It's like, we're looking for the stickiest solution here. And I think making things easy for a merchant and giving them features and options is the stickiest thing you could do in this market. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, um, yeah, I think you make several good points there. And I think, um, you know, again, we're talking about these smaller merchants. They've had that standalone terminal for years. To your point, if they do want to have a virtual terminal, they probably got authorized.net and it's with a, that's with first data and their terminals with TSIS or something, you know, um, mm -hmm. rather than actually having these things all together and viewing things in real time. And I think, um, I think there's a lot of solutions out there that claim to be omnichannel. And when I actually see them, I'm like, well, yeah, okay, I guess. But I mean, it's not like it's tied together seamlessly. And I think that's one thing that's, that was interesting when I was, uh, when Patty and I got our first demo of Valor, you know, we were kind of blown away by like, oh, wow, like, you mean it actually works? Like, it, you know, yeah. you do something online and it's like there and you do it on the terminal, it's there. And, um, but I, I want to transition a little bit because, you know, I think, um, you know, Valor, we talked so much about the the cash discounting side of things. And, and to your point, obviously, yes, there's cash discounting. It was like a big step backwards in technology. It was like, oh, you want to do cash discounting? We're going to save you a lot of money and we're going to give you crappy technology. <laughs> that was the pitch. We're going to save you so much. You're not going to care that your terminal can't do anything. 
Um, and I think those days are hopefully starting to be, you know, behind us a little bit, right? Where it's like, okay, you can actually have good technology and cash discounting. So we'll talk more about that. But but I want to talk for a second just about in general, you know, these terminals. I mean, you know, you've got, like I mentioned earlier, your Verifone, your Paxer, and Genico, and good companies that are making these standalone terminals. But when you look at the market, like the ISOs and the agents, you were an ISO. What were some of the challenges that you see that you saw then and that you still see today with that standalone terminal type of technology and merchant um, that, you know, was maybe a motivating factor for you when you saw Valor that you saw maybe something different? It's, it's funny that you say that. I mean, we have a lot of laughs over how uh, these workarounds were created to help, uh, help uh, ISOs be able to sell this cash discounting program. Right. And when you look back at these situations and they're currently there today, um, the basic needs that you have as a merchant and an ISO to make your, your, your transactions clear to your customer, simply transaction on the screen, you just say, I need to show uh, local tax, state tax. I want to put tip on there. And like, whoa, 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 we can't fit all that on one screen. Maybe just combine those taxes and, and then you can get your tip on the screen. It's like, wait, 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 that doesn't work for me. I need a full solution. And it applies right. to the batch. I mean, when we're getting batch reports, it's like you need to read a, a textbook on how to understand the batch. And then the ISO spends their time explaining deposits to a merchant who's new to cash discount. They're hesitant. And now they're questioning you and you're, you have to resell them on the program. I'm like, no, no, the batch is correct. Let me explain. This fee went to pay your, your processing fees and this money's going in your account. That's not what it looks like on this batch. And, and it right. just avoid this with simple batches. Um, you know, simple ones, restaurants. You sell a restaurant on cash discounting. And then they say, you know, well, I get 15 to 20% of my money in tips. Uh, you're telling me I have to pay the large cash discount fee on the tip. So what's right. the point of this program? It's almost defeating itself and removing the impact. Right. So, you know, we created some, the Valor VL110 has this nifty pay at the table feature where you can collect tip and include it in that cash discount, making that complete savings rather than, you know, having to explain to the, the restaurant that, we helped you out here, but we hurt you here. And together it's better, I think, but that's right. not the goal. Right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's so true because, um, you know, in my consulting practice, so many ISOs and agents that I talk to, that is the challenge with the cash discount because they just don't have the stuff that they just need, you know? Um, what, what about some other stuff? What if you think about, if we get outside the cash discount realm for a second, you know, if you are making a pitch to a large ISO and they're currently buying, you know, three, 400 terminals a month from one of these other vendors for traditional, for, you know, some cash discount, but also for interchange plus, do you have any other thoughts on some of the challenges they might face there and why, why are ISOs? I mean, I've, I talked to an ISO just recently that went to you guys that is like, we're just going to do Valor now. We're just buying all Valor terminals. You know, why are they doing that? Why are they, why are they choosing to go that direction rather than having a bunch of different options? I mean, good question. And one thing I just wanted to touch on is another feature about cash discounting that we really pride ourselves on is the fact that, you know, in this market right now, it's that decision again. Am I a cash discount merchant or am I a traditional merchant? Right. There's no hybrid. It's not, hey, listen, I have a retail and a wholesale business. I have a restaurant and a catering hall. And now the ISO's in that position. Well, we can save you, eliminate your fees on your retail, but maybe you'll just eat the fees on your wholesale rather than creating a, a robust solution like a dual mid that Valor has created where mid transaction, you can hit cancel my fee and be billed as a traditional merchant. And now the ISO has the opportunity to approach these larger typically merchants and tell them we have a full solution where you can work both types of payment pro programs 
and, and capture your market and save that money. But back to what you were saying about um, the, the, rest of the, the rest of the market. Um, I think that right now, um, the, the explanation of how we solve cash discounting program, it's not, we're not a cash discount company. We're a, a FinTech terminal payment company. And you know, how we, the demonstration of how we solve cash discount just is an example of how good our tech is. And you know, these days, I'm gonna say a standard terminal is not enough anymore. So if yeah. you're buying a standard terminal, you need to expect more. And that's what Dollar's goal is, is to expect more and not make price the only thing that's attracting merchants. Yeah. Add more to your sale, add more features and benefits so you can give a full solution that allows the merchant to benefit beyond pricing, which is simply someone's always willing to go lower and take your account. And that's why attrition's right. at where it is right now. Um, well, you know, let me, I want to jump in real quick on, on a couple of things that you said that I thought was really interesting. So, you know, I think you make a really good point. I think a lot of ISOs are, they, the reason that they have several different terminal providers, one of the main reasons is because of cash discounting, because they can only do cash discounting on this terminal, right? And then they have to have the other one to do traditional. So I think what I hear you saying is a lot of ISOs might be switching over to using you guys as the terminal provider because you, they can do both. So you, it's not a cash discount terminal. It's just a terminal with omni-channel and the integrated online solution that also has the cash discounting in a, in a really convenient way. Is that kind of what you're saying? That, that's exactly what I'm saying. And a lot of times, if you start someone on traditional, as an ISO, your goal is to hopefully convert them to a cash discount right. merchant. So you want to be able to do that seamlessly, not yeah. replace hardware and make it a difficult process. That's a and, really good point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other thing that, that really jumps out to me is almost like you're you're offering this this uh, menu, right? But depending on you know, like you know, to you to take the menu um, analogy a little bit further. For lunch, you may only want features one, two, and three, but at dinner, you're going to want one, two, three, six, seven, eight. Um, and that's what I think has always struck has struck me the most about this is that you can just go in and with a click, you can have a you know a different feature. That, you, hit the, you hit it on the nail. Um, the uh, other thing I really think, and I keep on phrasing, is, is value-added services. More services, more features, more control. You know, simple things like on-screen surveys to see how your customer experience is, or SMS receipts, which, you know, help the environment, also preserve your terminal, and help you collect important data. You know, let's be clear, getting customers' phone numbers builds your Engage My Customer tool. And now you're able to now interact with your community, giving them updates on how your business is doing. And we're in an economy right now that has been crushed by the unfortunate pandemic. And Valor merchants during that time, when they opened back up for delivery or curbside pickup, they utilized that feature to notify their customers that we're open for business and we're here for the community. And they had that first step in getting those customers back to using their business. And we, 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 re we were really happy to be able to help out in, that, in such a difficult time. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I like it. So um, I had one other one, Eric, that I, I wanted to touch on one other feature um, that I do think is kind of a revolutionary thing. It's not something that's been discussed very much, at least not in the podcast. Um, I want to talk about tech support a little bit. So tech support has been kind of a nightmare and, and just a seemingly unnecessary nightmare. Like why is this so difficult for like a little box that sits on a counter that, right. Um, Talk to us a little bit about how Valor is approaching, you know, uh, you know, tech support and customer issues, merchant issues, as they are calling in 
what are you doing to change the game a little bit on that versus maybe how some of the competitors would do it? So, I mean, Valor took a big step in understanding the, the, that pain point. Now, our tech costs are high. We're, we're having difficulty diagnosing and troubleshooting issues on a terminal. You know, it's a funny story. Uh, one of the stories we had was we're trying to trouble, troubleshoot this pizza restaurant. And the, the owner is on the phone. He's, we're telling him to walk through his terminal. And he's like, hey, while, while I'm following your tech job, can you make me a pizza and penne alla vodka since we're doing each other's jobs right now? You know, I want this to be easy for us. And that's what we did. You know, we created a solution. It's remote diagnostics. So basically, the ISO is now able to log into that terminal and really see where the problem occurs. Maybe it's hardware. Maybe it's um, a connectivity issue, a transactional issue but you're able to audit these transactions without the merchant involved and be able to quickly diagnose and resolve those problems. Another thing we've done to help tech departments is we've given a lot of feature power to the merchant. So the parameter updates that they usually have to call and bombard the tech department with are given back to the merchant to handle on their own, whether it's changing tax, changing batch out time. By doing these features on their own, you're now drastically dropping the calls to the tech department and allowing that expensive labor to focus on the real issues and not be bombarded with basic needs that a merchant can handle themselves. So in addition, our, our equipment is strong and built to last. You know, on the market right now, the terminals are one-year warranty. That's a standard warranty. Valor stands behind a two-year warranty because we know our product is strong, our software is strong, so you're not going to face the same issues you would with all the current competition on the market. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because like, you know, when I was building my ISO and even when I was selling, you know, 10 years ago out in the field myself, I was always struck by the fact that the issues the merchants had that had that standalone terminal, the issues were always so obvious to me, you know, so stupid. You know, I don't know if that's the right word, right? But it was annoying. It really was. You know, merchant calls me, James, my terminal's not working. And I'm like, well, what does it say on the screen? A bunch of gibberish. I don't know. And you're like, okay. So I drive 20 minutes, I walk in and it says, you know, no connection. And you're like, is your internet down? <laughs> yeah, my internet's down. Well, your terminal runs over the internet. Yeah, and it's like, oh, you know, or something stupid like that. And, and, you know, it's like so frustrating. And so when I saw that, I thought that was pretty cool that, you know, the ISO can actually just remote in and see exactly what's going on. Even, even things like decline issues and stuff where they can, you know, actually go in and when they get that call from the merchant, they're not flying blind or like you said, like, depending on the merchant to, to get the info. So, man, this is so interesting. And I, as you said, we could talk about it for days. And I, I know there's a, there's so much. And I want to, uh, for our audience, you know, we're definitely going to be talking more over the next, you know, coming months. We have some episodes planned on just talking about the gateway solution because what you're doing with online ordering and, you know, all of that is really relevant to the time as well. So we're going to get into all that. Um, but Eric, let's do this before we jump off. I know obviously we have our link, ccsalespro.com slash valor, uh, where people can go and they can schedule a free demo, but give us some, some other places. Where can people go if they want to learn more about you and learn more about Valor? Great, great question. And once again, thank you for having me here, James. Um, they can go to valorpaytech.com and just simply click learn, learn more, fill out some basic information, and we'll be happy to reach out to you guys, do a demo so you can really get a grasp of the product. Um, you can call us 1-800-615-8755, um, or you can even email sales at valorpaytech.com. Our goal is to put a demo in the hands of any ISO, let them play with the demo, see the, how robust our solution is, and anyone currently who's purchased a demo from us has moved forward to being a Valor customer because we're confident in our tech and we're, we back it up with, with a strong team that's going to service you throughout your entire time. 
Awesome. You know, one last thing real quick. I just realized, Patty, that neither one of us has, has said, I got a question from an ISO the other day that said, hey, I heard you talking about Valor. And they said, uh, you know, now what, you know, what was the question they asked? You know, are they going to steal my agents or something? And I'm like, oh, like Valor right. is a processor agnostic technology provider. So Eric, can right. you back me up here on the podcast and make sure people understand what you guys do? So you're, you're processor agnostic and you're just providing the technology to help these ISOs get more customers, right? That's right, James. We are not in the merchant business right now in terms of getting merchants. That's not our goal. That's not, that's not what we do. We, we're not a processor. What we do is provide solutions to help out ISOs to get merchants. Our, our customer is the ISO, and we're going to do whatever we can to help them grow their business. And we're going to adapt to the future of this, this business. And when, adapt, when, when something changes, we're going to be there with a solution for it. So we are not here for the merchant. We're here for the ISO, and we're a payment technology company. We are not a processor. And we're not here for the merchant. I just want to make that clear. That's yeah, awesome, that's, man. That's really important. Uh, James and I have talked about this in the past, and you're right. I can't. I forgot. We forgot to mention it this time. So thanks for bringing that up, James. Awesome. Hey, Eric, give us that phone number one more time, if you would, for those that are maybe driving and didn't get it. Sure. One eight hundred six one five eight seven five five. Awesome, Eric. Thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it, and yeah, uh, looking really forward to more stuff. episodes to come. And now, here is questions from the field with James Shepard. So, Patty, in questions from the field today, I want to address a, uh, a rather hot topic, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, argument around this one, and that's interchange padding or interchange markup. Um, uh, I would say it's a little bit controversial, but go ahead. I'm, I'm really eager to see what you have to say about this. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> now, we, uh, you know, on in the Facebook group, I get a lot of my content for this kind of stuff because I see, you know, posts about it. I made a post about it recently and just got a ton of comments on that. I saw that actually. That was very, very interesting. Yeah. Obviously a little self-serving since our, you know, ISO AMP uh, tool, we automatically right. recognize interchange padding and all that. But We'll leave that for today. But um, the idea is, you know, what is interchange padding for audience that doesn't know? Um, you know, you have this big, complicated interchange table that, you know, no merchants understand. Very few agents and ISOs really understand either. And the idea is a lot of these companies now will actually increase and, you know, they'll mark up the amount of interchange. So we have a certain interchange category. It should be 1.5% and 10 cents, and they'll charge 1.8% and 12 cents, you know. So right. they're going to mark it up. So my personal opinion on it is I don't think it's right. I just really don't. And again, I know a lot of our audience, uh, I don't know yeah. if the agents will disagree with me as much as probably the execs that I talked to. But, um, you know, I guess my thought is, you know, isn't the statement already confusing enough? I mean, right. is it really that hard for you to implement a price increase by increasing the basis points of markup? Like, you really, you got to go to the interchange table. And, and I think the other really important thing about this, Patty, is, this idea didn't become very popular until about three years ago. At least I didn't mm -hmm. really notice it. Yeah, but, it's about when I saw it first. Yeah, but I think what's happened is I think technology now has advanced enough that I really believe 12 months from now, it's actually going to be a detriment for you to do this because yeah. you're just going to give your competitors ammunition. Yes. You know, I don't know, you know, obviously I'm biased. I think my company is going to win and, you know, ISO AMP is going to be the leader here. That's where we're at now, but we have other competitors. But the bottom line is no matter who wins that particular battle, um, these statements are going to be uploaded to some kind of technology when somebody does an analysis right. and the technology is going to notice it. And so yes. you might've gotten it past the statement analysis department. You know, the guy sitting there with the spreadsheet, he didn't notice your interchange was padded by six basis points. And it's hard. How do you expect a human being to notice that if you're not even putting the rates in there and stuff? So I get it. 
But a tool like ours, we're going to notice it every single time without fail because we're, our AI is going to recognize the interchange table. We know exactly what true interchange is, and we're going to identify the padding, and we're going to put it right there on the proposal in nice bold letters, you know, big, here it is, your interchange padding, you know. This company is deceptively charging you extra money because we want to help our ISOs make more sales and close deals. So the fact that that technology exists makes that padding um, superfluous at best and deceiving at worst because now you're giving them extra ammunition. It's one thing for them to say, well, your current company, you know, you can see right here, your current company is charging you 60 basis points. I'm willing to go 40. It's right. another thing to say, do you see how your current company is saying this is the interchange table? Here's the true interchange rates from our analysis. And you can see that they're actually deceiving you with the amount right. they're charging. That, that <clears throat> yeah. makes it a lot easier for the competitor to steal the account. So I, my personal opinion is, from a you know moralistic viewpoint here, interchange padding is wrong because it's not transparent and it's not honest. Right, right. right. As a pragmatist and a capitalist, um, maybe if that was your you know again, if all I was saying was not is it right or wrong, but just is it really profitable? I would say two years ago, three years ago, yes, you're probably going to make a lot more money if you do interchange padding. Even today, on average, you're probably going to make more. 12 months from now, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea anymore, even from a pragmatic perspective of profitability, because companies like mine are going to be showing that when you do an analysis. Right. And it's just going to give your competitors all kinds of extra ammunition. So what are well, your you thoughts, Patty? That's mine anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. And it also kind of uh, dovetails with what Bob Carr told us just a few weeks ago when we interviewed him, right. you know? Right. I mean, you know, that's one of the points he made was, you know, that's where the competition is going to be. Right. You know, uh, the, you know, and I know of several people out there, you know, yourself included, who are looking for things like padding or right. uh, optimization know, or whatever. optimization. Yeah. You know, there's sure. there's another company I talked to recently that will go through and find all the nuisance fees for you, you know, right. and, right. you know, and, 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 and then go negotiate that money back for you. I mean, right. Those those kind of tricks just aren't going to work anymore, which is why right. you really need you know, just a solid, honest, transparent offering. And if you're transparent, yeah. your merchants, your merchants will stay with you. They're not going to yeah. abandon you. Yep. They feel they're being, you know, they feel they're being taken advantage of that, that, and that, that kind of mistrust has existed for so many years in this industry. I mean, yeah. it's really time to turn the tide. Right. And, you know, and I think, uh, you know, really zooming out, I think the reason this kind of thing, you know, is so persistent is because our industry has done a very poor job of evaluating the lifetime value of an account. Yes. Right. Yes. And so right. they look at it and say, well, hey, we you've keep this merchant for three years, we're going to make an extra how much. But the part they're missing is if you're going to use interchange padding, what are your chances of losing that merchant over the next six years six or months. 10 years? You know, like, right. you know, what is the life value? And I think everybody's trying to pump up their valuations they can sell or whatever it is. And you know, if that's your goal, maybe that's the right move. But the problem is if you're looking at lifetime value of the account, not doing those kind of things, not giving your competitor that inroad, um, I think it makes a lot more sense. Well, and you can also, you know, increase the value by selling other value adds. Yeah. You and know, you, I mean, we've talked about can. Yeah. a lot of those things, you know, that, that are out there that you can be selling your merchants and yeah. making a lot more than six basis points on a transaction. Yeah. And you know what I'll tell you, the other thing, Patty, people don't talk about with things like interchange padding is your distribution is affected as well. We've, I can't tell you how many agents we've had that have come to um, getisoamp.com. They, they set up a free trial account with us. Guess what statement they upload first? Their own. 
They want to mm -hmm. see, I just sold this merchant three months ago. They upload the statement when they see interchange padding and they realize that they've been lying unknowingly to merchants. Right. That's really, they don't bad. like that. Yeah. And they say, Oh, what, what is this interchange padding? And, and, you know, we're like, there's interchange padding. I don't know. What do you want from us? You know, we didn't yeah. know who it was. It just, we're analyzing the statement. And it's like, well, I had no idea. Now what's the next thing they do is they call their current company and they're upset. And so, you know, now they don't, now they, they lose that trust. So I think transparency and honesty are, are crucial. Um, and I think just telling people, Hey, you know, and if you're going to do it, definitely you would communicate that to your agents and ISOs and explain your rationale. And again, I know I can be wrong. You may have a perfectly legitimate rationale for it. That makes sense to you. If so, mm -hmm. communicate that though. You need yeah. to let people know what's going on. Don't, don't, don't give them that negative surprise. That never works out very well. Yeah, it never does. So, there you go. Stuff, James. Thanks. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy. So the final holiday push during the last two weeks of 2020 uh, saw about 13% year-over-year dollar sales growth. Uh, according to NPD, which is a uh, market research group. Okay. Uh, Year-end uh, holiday sales boiled down to, for the whole 13-week year-end holiday, boiled mm -hmm. down to 13, uh, excuse me, to 2% uh, compared to that same period a year ago, according to NPD. But okay. meanwhile, the National Retail Federation, which bases its data, um, its reporting on U.S. Census Bureau data, had a much uh, more glowing report. It says uh, retail sales tallies were up about 8.3% year over year. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and total just shy of $790 billion. Wow. That's strong. Yeah, that's very strong. And it's well in excess of what um, NRF was predicting, which was something around 3.6%. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's That's almost, it's better than double what they were predicting. And I remember when we talked about it back in November, I guess, we yeah. thought, oh yeah, that's going to be a healthy growth if we can make 3.6. So right. the fact that we more than doubled that is, yeah, is pretty huge. good. Yeah, and, sure. and, and kind of to correlate with uh, NPD, NRS data suggests that the final two weeks were, were you know, what made that such a great, uh, a great holiday season that, that, Double, they saw double-digit growth during the final two weeks. Okay. Now, um, six of the top 10 categories over the Christmas week saw, in fact, saw 20% or more um, during just during the last week before Christmas. Wow. And here were some of the big, the big categories. Video game hardware. Of course, the new Xbox came out. Oh, yeah, right. PCs, of course, that's always the utilitarian right. thing, right? TVs, particularly LCD models. And I have to put a little aside in here. Um, I had um, gone to the to a Walmart the other day. Right. And, okay, so this is post-Christmas. Yeah. And I'm, I had to return some things. So I'm standing online, you know, and you got to stand six feet apart, which means that right. people who are checking out are kind of coming between you, Right. Right. In my 15 minutes there, James, I saw three giant LCD TVs rolling out. <laughs> well, you know what's hilarious about that, Patty? I literally just set up our new 65-inch TV this morning before I came to work, <laughs> which uh, and, I bought at Walmart. <laughs> and that the funniest thing was is my brother was passing through town, so we met up. He had just dropped his daughter off at college, and he's showing me pictures of her room. And there's this big, I mean, I mean, when I was in college, we were lucky if we had 
a tiny little TV, right? Right. This big LCD thing hung on her wall. And I'm like, wow, that's nice for a college dorm room. He's like, oh yeah, I gave it to her for Christmas. I'm like, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know what it is, Patty? I, I honestly think, at least from my experience, I think the price point on big TVs has finally come down enough. It's like got just below this threshold uh-huh. or it's, it's not a trivial purchase, but I mean, for somebody that's got any kind of money at all, it's like, why wouldn't you have a huge T? I have no, the only reason I got a 65 inch instead of a 70 inch is that the 70 inch wouldn't fit on my entertainment center. <laughs> like, you know, say that. The, the price difference is not, you know, it's just, it's just not, it used to be that, man, you're talking about thousands of dollars to get a big right. TV. Right. Well, it's like, you know, anywhere from, I mean, they had some there, some of the cheaper models I saw that were on sale for three, 400 bucks for a really? huge, huge TV. And then, you know, ours was, I think like 800 or something, you know, it's just not, it's just very reasonable now, these TV prices I, I think I, that really drove it. I may have to go out and take a look at that, James, because uh, I still You're have missing out, buddy. time. I'm missing <laughs> out and I get a little bit irritated because I can't read the subtitles when I'm reading something, you know, watching right. a foreign flick or something, right, you know? right. That's an, I'll check into that. Well, according to NPD, unit sales were up 32%. Unit sales of uh, LCD model TVs were up 32% in just in December. So I guess that goes along with everything uh, we were saying, you know? Yeah, Um, absolutely. So uh, here's just a few quotes. This came from um, NRF. They said, uh, he, they said the consumers turned to quick in and out trips to stores and took advantage of buy online, pick up in store curbside type services, um, which of course retailers have been perfecting, uh, you know, since the coronavirus struck. Um, and uh, that seemed to be a lot of, you know, cause I know, I can't tell you how many people, myself included, were complaining about delivery of gifts this year. Right. Um, right. You know, between the postal service, even UPS was overloaded. Yep. They, you know, yep. were backtracking stuff. Um, the other side was that m- while much of the growth in sales is tied to e-commerce, uh, 20, almost 24%, according to NRF, uh, all the research and reporting I've done suggests brick and mortar stores are going to continue to play a vital role. And I know you and I have talked about that, you know, right, right. but it's like sporting goods stores. They saw increases of over 15%. Grocery and beverage stores, almost 10%. Yeah. Um, you know, those are not things that you can necessarily, you can order your groceries online, but I'll tell you, I've done that. And, you know, sometimes I just like to look at the shelves, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, even now, Christina, who is, you know, we talked about before, she's not somebody that jumps on the next tech, you know, bandwagon, uh, you know, when we moved to our new house and we realized that we were in the Walmart grocery delivery radius, Uh it was like the best thing that ever happened to us. (laughs) So even she now is doing her her grocery shopping through Walmart delivery. And it's, um, you know, it's amazing. So I think, I think a lot of people that previously would just not have bought into that idea. Now they're all in, you know? Well, I'll tell you the one, the one good thing about it is that it cuts down on impulse purchases. It does. Absolutely. It does. You yeah. know? Um, yeah. But so, you know, what's funny. It does. And it doesn't, I mean, it does, but at the same time, they're still, it's funny. They're almost better now at, at promoting, like, you know, when you're going down the shelf, there's not always that other thing that you wish you had to go along with it. 
Right. And you're right. online, it's really easy for Walmart to say, hey, you might also want this cheese to go with those crackers. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, they're actually pretty good. I mean, I would say most yeah. of the times when Christina gets done with it, because she'll get done with an order and then she'll have it pulled up and she'll be like, hey, do you want anything? You know, <laughs> if I come over and take a look, I'm like, oh, that, 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 give me that too. I'll take one of those. <laughs> Next thing you know, it comes in. She's like, we're going to fill this stuff, you know? So yeah, I think they're still pretty good at getting the impulse purchases, actually. I I, I I was I guess that in Walmart is probably better about it. Um, I know, you know, I did it this summer when I was sick and I did it through Target because that was the yeah. only one I was yeah. within the radius of. And uh -huh. uh, and I think one of my problems there is their groceries are their selection is much less robust. Um, right, sure, of course. Than most of the other grocery stores. So yeah, that's sort of my experience. But yeah, you anyway. know. Anyway, and, and you know, this kind of goes to the point I wanted to wrap up, which is, you know, with is, uh, you know, retailers are really doing a great job of pivoting their sales models, you know, right. right. Uh, well, lar large retailers are the question yeah. is, will small retailers be able to pivot as well? And, and with the help of our audience, hopefully, hopefully. And, you know, I've been seeing some examples of this, you know, sure, um, sure. even here in my in my little rural area. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, to, to really keep the brick and mortar going, um, it's going to become more of like a distribution, uh, a distribution center. You know what I'm saying? With right, curbside exactly. pickup and, yes. you know, that's going to be a really important yeah. for these online things. And right. um, uh, I saw a guy, um, what's his name? Steve Koenig. He's with the Consumer Technology Association. Okay. He also uh, was, is predicting um, increased in-store automation now yeah. one example he gave was sanitation stations great idea right sure. but self-checkouts you right. know that that whole right. idea of a fully automated contactless store sure it's, it's going to start in the really dense urban areas but i think it's going right. to eventually spread oh um, you know it is yeah no doubt it's just like you know i was i i've had this conversation with several people recently it's like in a way as bad as COVID has been and as hard as it's been on businesses it's really um, restructured our our approach to commerce. Yeah, you know what we accept yeah. and what we expect. Um, right. You know, right. I if, if somebody's not going to let me do a you know curbside, even if I don't use the curbside pickup. Right. I want that option, and yeah. I think that's going to become more and more important. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting to see how small businesses adapt and uh, and get set up right and and through a lot of vendors. I mean, you know, you got your your Zusa POS and, and right. like it that have the scheduling and, you know, mm -hmm. things that, you know, um, things like that. I mean, even the, the place I get my haircut, I just got a haircut today and, um, you know, I love it. The place to get the haircut now, you know, my assistant Angela can go on there and schedule an appointment for me. And then I get a text message that just reminds yes. me about it. And it's right. like, this is not like, this is what it should be. And it's a small little shop. I mean, it's not a big, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. and so I like it. I think, I think small businesses are definitely starting to, you know, kind of figure this out. I think a lot of the more out of date ones, this has yeah. put them out of business and yeah. there's yeah. new ones that are going to kind of come in and fill the gap. So it's an exciting time in payments, I think. I think so too. You know, I mean, I, I just keep, I keep uh, marveling at the, at the, at how good it really is when you think about it. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of people out there in sales who aren't selling anything these days, but if you're in the payment space, you know, if you're dealing with merchants, your sales opportunity, you've got some great sales opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, good stuff yeah. as always, Patty. Thank you for the info. Mm -hmm.
This episode of the Merchant Sales Podcast was brought to you by Valor Paytech, the technology company that is revolutionizing cash discounting and surcharging with innovative features like dual mid support, waive the fee options, and even adding non-cash adjustment charges to tips. Now, all of this is made possible by a variety of technology devices and solutions such as gateways, tabletop point of sale devices, and features like SMS text messaging and e-invoicing, all with cash discounting in mind. Valor Paytech, bold ideas, smart execution. Make sure you head over to ccsalespro.com slash valor, V-A-L-O-R, ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R. Schedule your free demo today and watch videos and learn more about this amazing technology solution. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.